Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse and the National Women's Soccer League both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, here we go. It's our number two. It is a Wednesday. Live in Los Angeles, it's The Hurt, wherever you may be. And however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Greg Cosell in five minutes. Can't wait for this. Can't wait for Greg today. Usually on Thursday, putting him on Wednesday today. We're all for it. J-Mac, there is, there are times of recency bias confirmation bias you're trying to confirm your take or not you specifically or something just happened i do think with patrick mahomes not just because they won but if you just go look at this playoff run minus 27 degrees at buffalo at baltimore great second half against the niners defense that play with their hair on fire he's pretty remarkable i saw this number patrick mahomes as an underdog is 11-1-1 against the spread. Vegas doesn't even know what to do with him. Vegas can't figure him out. So what really separates Mahomes from everybody else, and he's only been a starter for six years, he wins in so many ways. So first of all, in division, it's insane. He's 17-1 on the road in division. (laughs) Okay, He's 30-5 overall. So in division, his numbers don't make any sense. He's 10 and 3 as an underdog in his career, mostly road games. He's 9 and 2 straight up in the playoffs when trailing by a touchdown or more. He's the only quarterback ever, regular season in playoffs, with a winning record when he trails by 10 or more points. Location doesn't matter, score, opponent, regular season playoffs don't matter. And to give this some context, in the regular season in the playoffs, Mahomes has a winning record when trailing by 10 or more. I'll give you context. Dan Marino is as talented as anybody I've seen play quarterback and had two Hall of Fame coaches, Jimmy Johnson and Don Shula. Great coaching. Great teammates. Two Hall of Fame coaches. 
unbelievable all-time talent. His record when trailing by 10 or more is 29 and 75. <laughs> Joe Montana, with arguably the greatest coach most of us have ever seen, Bill Walsh, when trailing by 10 or more, 17 and 29. Mahomes, as an underdog on the road, trailing by a touchdown, regular season playoffs, trailing by 10 in division. Out of division, rivalry games, there's just nothing like it. Here was Andy Reid talking to Peter King this week about the greatness. He makes the difficult look easy. And it's at the highest possible level in the whole world. Yeah. There's only 32 of him in the whole world. And, and he's the special of the special. So I, I think that's great. I watched Tom Brady turn the keys over to him, which was cool. Tom said, hey. This is your league now, man. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I don't think it's recency bias. Vegas can't figure him out. Deficits, playoffs, cold, warm, division, out of it, road. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Indoors, outdoors, he breaks everything. And, and for the record, he just moved into his prime. Year six as a starter. Now, situationally, got Alex Smith as a mentor, Andy Reid, great GM. Not denying that, but he is in the AFC, which is the tougher conference. He's had to go through Lamar and a Herbert and a Josh Allen. So he, he, he got the tougher conference. I don't think that's disputable. 44 years at NFL Films, Greg Cosell stops by. Now, we'll use Greg a lot during the draft. But we're going to look back at this game. And I said, I thought it was a game in which San Francisco, sometimes you just don't get good luck. Kansas City fumbled five times. They recovered four of them. Uh, there was a, play, a, a star linebacker for San Francisco got hurt running into the game. It was like, it, it wasn't the luckiest San Francisco day. I think their special teams hurt them. But there are in special specific moments, you just don't get the luck some days. Over the course of a career, your choices, your decisions as a team and a coach will kind of, you know, you'll move beyond luck. It wasn't the luckiest day for the Niners. They got it against Detroit, ball off a face mask, a pick, trailing 24-10 becomes a catch. They got luck that day. They didn't Sunday. Let's go back to Brock Purdy overall. I thought he was very composed early, and I didn't think he would be based on age and experience. What did the film say on Brock Purdy? I thought overall he played very solid football. I thought he had a rough third quarter. I thought there was stretch in the third quarter where he just didn't see things as clearly as we're used to him doing so. Uh, made a few late throws, a uh, couple of poor reads. But overall, I thought he played really solid football. Uh, don't forget, he played against a defense that's really difficult to play against. I mean, the defining feature of Spag's defense in this game was pressure, they pressured him on about 50% of his dropbacks, yeah. and they played a ton of man coverage. And they played press man. So they did not make it easy, which is one reason why you didn't see as many of the timing throws, the anticipation throws that we're used to seeing from the Niners because often routes were disrupted closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Sneed and McDuffie played very physically off the ball, but overall, I thought that Purdy played a really solid game. Look, Colin, I think if anyone said going into this game 
that Purdy would have fewer turnovers than Patrick Mahomes, you would have thought that the Niners would win the game. Yeah. Now, by the way, Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk didn't do much. Again, play calling, scheme, or just excellent defense? Because those three, if you'd have told me, yeah, those three aren't going to do anything, I would have said San Francisco's going to get hammered. Right. And they didn't. And they controlled much of it. But again, is that just on the press coverage, or were there openings for those guys? No, I think there are there are a number of factors involved. I, first of all, there was a lot of press coverage, and and number one, uh, number two, the the uh, Chiefs played a lot of what we call two man coverage, meaningful snaps of that. And in two man coverage, you can really get physical. You can undercut routes. In fact, on on a third down play, McDuffie played two man coverage versus Debo about as well as you can possibly play it. It was almost teach tape, and he got underneath a dig ball, and, and it was an incompletion. Um, you know, that's one reason. You know, pressure was a big factor. Pressure takes away the ability to sit in the pocket and, and read it through. You know, you have to get rid of the ball quicker. Um, so, you know, there's a number of reasons. And I thought, and I think we talked about this last week, I mentioned that the right side of the 49ers O-line really struggles in one-on-one -on -one pass protection, and that showed up in this game. I mean, there was a meaningful part of this game where Purdy was under pressure and just was not a comfortable player. But I thought he persevered really well. Um, when you got to the fourth quarter in overtime, he made throws. They moved the ball. Um, the run game even started to become a factor a bit later in the game. So, you know, the, the 49ers did not lose this game because of Brock Purdy. Let's remember one thing. The Chiefs only scored two offensive touchdowns, and right. one of them came after the muff punt. <laughs> so this was not, you know, a game where uh, where the Chiefs' offense was dynamic throughout the game. They had a lot of slow stretches themselves. Yeah, I mean, let's and for the record, that's who they were all year. They weren't dynamic against Baltimore. They weren't dynamic against Baltimore no. or Miami in the playoffs. What did you make of Patrick Mahomes' performance overall? What's the film say? Yeah, I thought Mahomes. Um, you know, early in the game, you know, I, th I think what we have to come to expect with Mahomes, and this is just the way he plays and it's part of who he is, is he's going to leave the pocket early at times. Yeah. He's going to leave some throws on the field. He's going to make special plays. To me, what makes Mahomes special, uh, One, of, I mean, there's multiple things, obviously, but I think a couple of things as his career has progressed really stand out to me, Colin. And number one, I think he's become incredibly intelligent before the snap of the ball. And I think the great ones are. I think, you know, that Tom Brady was a master at that. I think he's become so good after the snap of the ball and, and uh, excuse me, before the snap. And I think the word instincts is overused, but... I think that Mahomes has such a feel for what's happening on the field situationally and a feel for movement. To me, his feel for both the movement of his players and the movement of the defense is really high level. And, you know, and again, he moves when he doesn't have to, but he makes things happen when he does just because of that spatial awareness. So, you know, Again, it was a game because it was so close and so hard fought and not a lot of scoring where just a few plays became really important. But I will say this. I mean, he got lucky a few times, too. You know, he threw that that 52-yarder in the first half, a ball he never should have thrown. That ball should easily have been intercepted by Gibson, who, for whatever reason, lost awareness of where he was on the field, lost awareness of the receiver, you know, lost awareness of the ball. But... 
you know, and then they scored the touchdown right after the muff punt, which was a bust, by the way, in coverage. So it was kind of a, a kind of an uninteresting first half and a super compelling second half in overtime. So the Niners' pass rush was highly effective in the first half. Why yeah. and what did Kansas City do to adjust? Well, it's funny you say that because watching the tape, I, I thought that they got around Mahomes, but they weren't necessarily changing the way the game was played. And one thing that the Chiefs clearly knew going into the game, and they did this right from the start, Colin, is they chipped both sides to help the right tackle Taylor and the left tackle Donovan Smith. They did that throughout the game. That was a critical tactic for them because they knew that those tackles could not hold up and they were not going to allow the 49ers pass rushers, Bosa, Gregory, um, you know, the edge pass rushers, Young, who had a sack beating, beating Smith early in the game. They were not going to allow them to dictate the game. You know, I read where Bosa had 12 quarterback hits i got to tell you, watching the tape, it didn't come across as if Bosa was dictating the game in any way, shape, or form. And he obviously played well, but I don't think that was a big, big factor in the way the game ultimately played out. So Mahomes, 8-for-8 eight eight final drive. And I, and I think, by the way, I think Kansas City's defense is great, but I do th see this all the time in the NFL, where a defense, especially a defensive front, dominates early and then tires. There were 150 yeah. total plays. I thought the Niners at the end looked a little gassed. In fact, I said yesterday, one of the reasons I got Kyle Shanahan taking the coin toss in overtime was his defense had been on the field for 11 plays, and they looked tired, and Mahomes was moving Yeah. Um, and I think that's the reality to pass rushes. You don't, you don't get four hours of relentless pressure. Um, what, impressed, no. <laughs> what impressed you most about Mahomes' final drive? Well, I think what he did is, and, and, and this is a, a cliched statement, but it is true, is I think this is where the patience and the understanding of Mahomes and just his overall intelligence about the game comes into play. They were giving him early in that drive seven, eight-yard throws, and you know what? He was taking them. I mean, you know, uh, if you're going to give him those throws, those are good plays to take, particularly when you start a drive. I think the first play was a seven- or eight-yard pass. That gets you feeling good about the drive. Um, you know, then the Niners started started to play a little bit more. They played a snap of man coverage, but, but the 49ers, by structure of the defense, through much of that overtime period, were giving Mahomes the quick underneath throw. You know, it, always, it reminded me of Brady. I mean, how many times through the years, Colin, have we seen Brady, if the defense is going to give him a six-yard ball, he takes the six-yard ball, and he makes it second and four, and he just keeps doing that until the defense wants to change. Um, and then, of course, um, they did go zero on third and seven, on, and, and he hit Rice for 13 yards. That yeah. was a really good, big good read by Mahomes, um, really big play. And then his 19-yard run, and this was another example where I thought the Niners just had a little bit of an assignment mistake. They had a few too many of those in the second half yep. that changed the game. They were in cover two, and Warner left the middle hole. He was the middle hole defender to chase Rice on the shallow crosser, and he shouldn't have done that. And that opened the middle of the field for Mahomes on the 19-yarder. And, of course, that touchdown to Hardman. You know, everybody talks about it being a similar play to last year against the, the Eagles, which it was similar, but it was really a well-designed concept that distorted the coverage responsibility of both the corner ward and the linebacker, well, and the and the uh, the slot Ryan. It really 
caused a problem for both those guys the way it was mapped out. It was beautifully designed. Yeah, we're watching it right here. What did the Chiefs do differently to unleash Travis Kelsey in the second half? What did they do? I don't think they did anything differently. They just got particular coverages where Kelsey was a factor. They got cover one where Gibson, all season long, Gibson has been the, the, the man coverage defender, the safety Gibson on the tight end when they play cover one. Um, and, and they hit him on an out route for 16 yards, as I recall. He hit Kelsey. Um, and then, of course, he hit him on that big play, which will break down momentarily on that big play late in the, in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I think it's just uh, – in zone, I thought that the, the 49ers had a really good feel for the route concepts and got eyes on Kelsey. A lot of times it looked like a double, but it was zone, so it wasn't necessarily a double. They just understood the route concepts really, really well, which didn't surprise me. And then you had some, some you know, man coverage concepts. You know, when they went with cover one robber or two man, Warner was the matchup because the two safeties were part of the the, the deeper coverage so there was just it's just the way the game played out in terms of the coverages they got and the the 49ers did not blitz one time in the first half but they started to be a little more aggressive in the second half with their both their coverages and their pressures and that presented some opportunities for Kelsey finally the big play is Mahomes to Kelsey for 22 yards let's diagram that yeah, let's jump into it now. This play was fascinating to me, Colin, on a number of reasons as we look at it. This was late in the fourth quarter that set up the field goal. And the reason it was fascinating to me is it was third and seven. Okay, the Niners are not a high percentage man coverage defense. But yet what struck me here is you see Mahomes in the gun. First of all, they're in 12 personnel on third and seven. They had two tight ends on the field, one back, two tight ends. And what was really interesting is the Niners played man coverage, third and seven. And what they did here is they played what we call cover one robber. So they had Gibson drop into the middle as the robber and the other safety go deep. And what the Chiefs did is they ran a man beater. It's as if they knew they were going to get man from a team that doesn't play a lot of man. And this blew me away watching the tape. And you're going to get the mesh concept, which is two shallow crosses, mirrored shallow crosses. Gray did a great job of forcing Warner to slow down, and he hit Kelsey. But I was just fascinated. This is, to me, the chess match at work, Colin. How did the... Chiefs really anticipate that they were going to get man coverage because they called a man beat a route concept, yet that's what they got, and it turned out to set up, obviously, the game-tying field goal. Greg Cosell, post-Super Bowl, good to see you as always. It was a fun chess match, and not shocking, Mahomes ends up the winner as he's prone to do in these big spots. Greg, we'll break down some draft stuff over the next month and a half. Can't wait to talk to you again. All right, Colin, appreciate it. Thanks so much. You bet. I was talking to Greg during the commercial break. It's interesting. He's got he's already got six, seven games in on some of these college quarterbacks. He doesn't like all of them. Very interesting. For the record, during the Cosell situation there, the spot, I was thinking of you, Steve Wilkes. On more than one occasion, Greg Cosell said, yeah, kind of strange coverage here. Don't know why the Niners are doing that here defensively. It was never offense. It was about the defense. He defended the offense with Purdy, but on more than one occasion. Remember, Kyle had to blow a timeout because at one point Wilkes had a defense out 
that he thought was too obvious. So he had to blow a timeout. If, if you want to get granular, and I love what Cosell said there, Wilkes did a great job early. Mahomes struggled. We've uh, articulated it. First nine possessions, two field goals. Mahomes then figured it out, and Wilkes stayed on brand. And that does not work against Mahomes. He's too smart. And, and I, I, I like what he said. I am curious on the quarterbacks, because uh, I wasn't listening. Uh, I wasn't here. Um, J.J. McCarthy? What? I am not giving away nuggets. It's very interesting. I asked him about three quarterbacks. Okay. And his... Opinion on two was exactly what I feel, and the opinion on the third is undefined. Okay. But it's I of all for years and years, Greg. The minute the Super Bowl is over, Greg will go to college, guys. And so, in about three weeks to a month, Greg will send me a folder. He does this every year and gives me his rundown of the top quarterbacks, offensive tackles, running backs, and receivers. So I've been I've gotten this seven mm-hmm. eight years with Greg. Yeah. So it, it helps me as I talk about him if I make calls to executives and ask questions. But Greg's always been good. I get a folder in the mail, and uh, it is remarkable how accurate he is with my scouts and GMs. It it's always. Always spot on. I'll say this. Remember, uh, during the season, I said this McCarthy kid could go top 10. And initially, you were like, oh, that's interesting. And then the stats petered out, and he wasn't looking good. And somebody came in here. I'm not going to name the guest. And told us during the break, eh. Another reporter at another network said, McCarthy, top 10. This week, look out. All the aggregators picked it up. I'm just, sometimes first impressions, Colin, what we saw during the season gets in our head. And we're like, I like this. And then you get all this time, and you get all this noise. And it kind of colors your vision of what you see. Just remember, I, we loved Michael Penix during the season. I'm not coming off that. I know a lot of people are saying he's not first round now. I like him too. Just we got we got to stick to our guns on this. McCarthy. No, I've told and you. I've told you before. I think Caleb's the most talented, but needs to be coached. I think Drake May is second most talented. Has some Herbert. I like Bo Nix more than others. I like Penix too. I don't get J.J. McCarthy, and I'm worried about Jaden Daniels' build. So do you go Knicks as your third quarterback? I don't know, but I, I think That's spicy. I think Bo Nix works in a demanding offensive system, which would be Sean Payton, which would be McVay. In a demanding offensive system, Bo Nix, who is coachable and experienced, he needs the right System. He's not good enough to overcome, you know, clunky, Belichickian, allergic to offense coaching. I think Knicks needs the right coach. But I, if I'm Denver, this is my take. If I'm the Denver Broncos and Bo Nix is available, I'll make the argument that Sean Payton and Bo Nix complement each other. Can I? And I've th- told you the comp on Nix has been Drew Brees for accuracy, coachability. And early movement. Breeze was a better mover than people think early. Later, he wasn't. So, I'm, you're not going to get mad at me for this. What? Okay. The audience should know. Listen closely, everybody. Cowherd mentions Bo Nix, and then he mentions two teams and two coaches. Think, who does who, who's Cowherd like? Who does he talk to? Who, what what no, teams does no. he pump up? Just think, listen closely, people. Yeah, people. Just listen and these, put the breadcrumbs together. These are accusations I they will not, not confirm <laughs> nor deny. No, no, just, you guys, listen, we got a big audience. A lot of people listen closely. All right, whatever. I'm just saying. Lock in, folks. <laughs> Wolf and Shepard made and worn by athletes. Troublemaker McIntyre.
Want more Herd? The Herd streams 24 hours a day, 7 days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search Herd to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like. Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy, 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. When you love somebody, you protect them in the best way you can. We recommend Simply Safe. Order now 20% off a new system at simplysafecolin.com. C O L I N. J-Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. I think this is low-key the most fascinating story of the day. So according to The Athletic, the Dallas Mavericks tried to get Kyle Kuzma at the trade deadline from the Wizards. Now, I know you're thinking Kyle Kuzma, no big deal. He's having a great year in Washington, taking a lot of shots, career high in points, all that stuff. However, in the article... Kuzma says that Washington's GM came up to him about the deal, and Kuzma said, I, I, I'm good. I don't want to go to Dallas. I, I want to stay in Washington. The Wizards, by the way, have nine wins. They're the, one of the worst teams in the league. Winger, the GM, said that Kuzma said he already had a championship ring, and he'd rather build something in Washington. Colin, just we've talked about uh, the struggles of American basketball players uh, in the NBA in recent years. Yeah. You're telling me you would rather stay on a loser in Washington. They're going nowhere fast. They're not winning, building anything in the next two, three years. Then go to Dallas, a legit contender with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, and maybe make a run at a championship. I- I'm stunned that Kuzma, is, this is the height of selfishness. This is, I oh. want to get my buckets. I want to jack my shots. Well, I- I'm, I- I'm floored by this. Well, if he told the GM, I've got my ring, then he probably wants uh, his thing, which is points and money. 
Well, he got the contract. You're not, got you're not the, getting the ball. Contract. If you're playing with Luka and Kyrie, you get no big shots late. None. Zero. Ever. You're not getting the ball. You're no. not getting a look. You're not getting a play design. You're not getting something out of a timeout. You're getting none of it. And he probably wants to be kind of a centerpiece for a Washington team to get his. To get what? His his shots? And I want to well, lose games because that's what you do. I would rather be this alpha scorer on a crap team, a cellar dweller. Than be contending and playing meaningful well, basketball. Well, I, I, I wouldn't. I think when you play in these long season, regular season sports like hockey, uh, basketball, and baseball, I'd rather win games. I mean, yeah. it's a miserable existence. But not everybody. I mean, Kyle Kuzma's like, I got some money. I got my ring. I'm good. He's 28 years old. Well, I, 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 Kyle, this is this is really bad, man. I, I I don't know how you don't think this is a worse look for Kuzma. Well, I don't think it's a great look for Kuzma, but I think what I'm I'm predicting, projecting here, that Kuzma's just saying, "Hey, man, I'm getting, I'm finally allowed to take some shots and look at all my numbers. I don't want to go to Dallas and be the third offensive option. He's finally scoring. He's saying for years, LeBron didn't like me. Give me shots, I'll score. So he is. Yeah. He, you saw way, what just, happened when he was a role player with the Lakers. Yeah, he, he had a good bubble playoffs, yeah. and they won the championship. Yes. What, what okay, do you play but, basketball for? Let, Shots let me, or let me ask you this, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you in premise, but Kyle Kuzma, most great athletes, most athletes think they're better than they are, right? Everybody's got a sense of, I'm a little better than I am. So Kuzma's finally kind of a go-to guy. And he's putting up all these numbers. He's like, I don't want to go back to a role guy. I've been a role guy. I got a ring out of it. I don't like being a role guy. I want to be that guy. Bradley Beal for years stayed in Washington. He's like, I'm a star here. I don't want to be the third guy and now. Eventually, well, no, no. oh, we're losing. Sucks. Well, no, eventually, after getting his points, his accolades, and his money, he's like, now I want to win. Well, Kuzma's saying, I won early. I was a role guy. And now I'm a star. And I like that way more. I can defend somebody yeah. on that. It's not like Kuzma has always been on bad teams. He was on good teams and a role player. Yeah, how was that? He didn't like it. I don't like winning. Uh, so well, it, it's it's funny. I talked about this on my podcast. Uh, NBC calls me up. J-Mac, we want to build a show around you. We want to make you a star. Good luck. You get all the takes. Yeah. I'm on a winning team here. Well, <laughs> I'm a role player on a winning team, one of the best shows well, on TV. That's, that 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 dominating. That is it's like that is how you view it. I want to win. Well, it, I, I I don't think you can do sports and TV. I think I think what it comes down to is Kuzma got a ring as a role player, but also LeBron's like, yeah, get him out of here. Kuzma's like, I want to be a guy where a guy just can't say if if I have a bad night with Luca. And Luca wakes up in the morning and like, get Kuzma out of here. He goes, I've been through that experience. I don't like that experience. I get it. Like, Luca's going to get what he wants, including trades, acquisitions, shots, and opinion. Kuzma's like, yeah, I played with one of those guys. Wow. And we won. And I, they shipped I, me out of town. I'm stunned. Uh, all right, let's move on. Kyle Shanahan, uh, let's get to overtime for the Super Bowl. Um Fullback Kyle Juszczyk admitted after the game he didn't know the new overtime rules. There's video circulating right now Ugh. on social media of Juszczyk saying, oh, even if we score, they get the ball? I didn't know that. This is like on the field. Um, he's defending his coach, however, saying people are just looking for a way to uh, poop emoji on Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Colin, um, I don't know. I, I can't kill Shanahan for this. Um, I didn't yesterday. You know, I think people just don't like him because he's labeled a genius. And well, what, what, what Andy and Kyle both did, it's been reported. They went in the organization 
to their analytic mavens and said, explain the options here. And so Andy said, I would have taken it second and gone for two. So which would have been fascinating if the Niners, if Andy would have taken it second, Purdy scores a touchdown, Andy would have gone for a touchdown, scored it, and gone for the two. And if it didn't work, would be would be crushing Andy Reid today. Having Mahomes and then putting the game into one play, you'd rather just keep doing it. So my takeaway is both coaches knew it. Players sort of had to, some of them, learn it on the fly, but that's okay. That's why they created GPS, so we wouldn't have to be on the fly in our car. My entire life, when I would drive somewhere, I didn't have directions. I'd write them down, and I kind of made it up as I go. Then they created GPS, Google, things like that, that we don't have to be on the fly all the time. But I think in sports, it's okay sometimes to be like, hey, hey, so remember, if we score, because remember, the officials announced it Everybody talked about it. The officials said loud and clear, it's a new game. They explained all the rules. Then you go back to the sideline and the coaches slowly and the players quickly kind of figure it out and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I still think he made the right call. I would want the bowl first. I'm Kyle Shanahan. I could dial up amazing right. plays. By the way, they went right down the field and Thir- could have had a touchdown. Team play drive. Yeah. It worked. Kyle's like, their defense is probably as gassed as ours. I trust all my great players. Brock's playing fine. I don't want to have to face Mahomes twice, yeah. potentially. I'd rather face him once, and let me get my defense a rest. And, and it worked. Let's not factor in. Let's say Mahomes does get a touchdown with the ball first. Now you have Brock Purdy, a second-year quarterback, behind the eight ball. You have to get a touchdown or we lose. That's a lot of pressure it's on Brock Purdy in pro- overtime. And like, and Kansas City's hyper-aggressive defensive coordinator. They're coming like, after Now, you get four plays, but they're coming at, they're pinning their ears back. If you have to score a touchdown, I'm going for negative yeah. plays. By the way, I think McCaffrey becomes a little more removed if you're down seven. Like, the, the threat of a run, hey, we'll give, we'll give you two, three yards. I don't know. I, I still think Shanahan made the right call. A lot of people disagree. Well, it's never been done before, so there's no precedent. I yeah. think you can certainly argue both. Yeah. Uh, final story. Let's get to back to quarterbacks in the draft. Michael Penix will be a mm. name to keep an eye on as we approach the draft. Mm. The lefty drew a lot of attention by leading the Huskies to the natty before losing to Michigan. Former Bucks head coach Bruce Arians told the Tampa Bay Times that he loves Penix particularly the tape against Texas in the semifinal when he was unbelievable. Uh, Colin, Tampa is at 26th in the draft. Look at the Penix numbers here this season. I mean, hey, he was sign, lights out. Sign Baker for two-year deal. Get Penix. Let him build himself up. It's not terrible. Yeah, it's not terrible. I don't think he gets to 26. You, I, I don't think. See, you and I are under the same belief, which is... like, uh, Let me throw this at you. And people say... Those injuries at Indiana. I just watched him play like 30 games at Washington. He didn't get hurt. He got hit there, too. Those injuries. All right. Anthony Richardson, he got hurt. Look at how many quarterbacks got hurt. If you're sitting around not drafting people, it'd be one thing if you have the number one pick and it's like a great player. But, like, I always thought Sam Bradford, when he was the number one, Sam Bradford, he got hurt in college, and I'm like, That worries me, number one pick. But if you're starting to get down to 20, 24, 25, that's no man's land in the draft. The first 16 to 18 players, all GMs will tell you this. Those guys are different players. Physically different. Speed different. Then from about 18 to 19 to the top of the third round, most guys have second round grades. 
So that it's a little bit of a graveyard end of the first round. Now, sometimes you hit a Lamar Jackson. But a lot of times, those players are viewed as kind of second-round talents. And you have them. Let me tell you something. That's where I have no problem taking a flyer on a super gifted quarterback with a little injury history. Top 10, top one. No. Late first, no problem. Rolling the dice in the quarterback. I would. I don't know if it's possible. Is there a way a, uh, like a scout would come on this show and give us unvarnished truths on Penix? Because, you know, a lot of the stuff, the negative stuff you read is anonymously in uh, the Washington Look Post. Look how nice that time. ball is. God, he I just want to hear, where's the negative? Okay, we got it. The injury history and the age. I get it. But I want to know, what throws can he not make? And apparently there's a layered throw in between the corner and the safety that he struggled to make, apparently, right. uh, in the Pac-12. But I just want to know what he cannot do. Because I, I look at the, the tape on this guy. What, what can he do? He's doing everything out there. I, I watched him. So I watched, when I watched Bo Nix and Penix play, I went to Husky Stadium. And I did this on purpose. So I first watched, um, I went down to the field in pregame, watched him warm up. Look at his size. Big. Then I went and sat at the 40-yard line with my friend. And then we went to the end zone. So I saw some field stuff. I saw 40-yard line, and then I went end zone. And the stuff that was really impressive to me on Penix was the end zone stuff. Because a lot of his stuff was not schemed up. Bo Nix's completions were largely schemed up, first or second. Penix was moving that head to his third and his fourth. So the kid clearly sees the field and throws a devastatingly beautiful deep ball. Now he has very good receivers. But Penix's ability to me, which was impressive, is that to go to a, a second and a third receiver regularly and could sprinkle the ball all over the field. Underneath, seam routes, co corner, post. I, I thought when, when I watched him from the end zone, I was like, wow, that is a, that is a big-time first-round college quarterback. I, I don't That's see what it how looked Mike, like to me. I don't see how a guy like Mike McDaniel cannot consider Michael Penix to my eye. I, so now he's 24 like, years old. He's got two ACL tears yeah. and a couple of shoulder issues. Not great, but we saw what Miami did. Tua had the, the concussions, right? A lot two years ago. They had made adjustments, protected him, got the ball out quicker. Tua was injury-free this year. Ask, ask yourself this. Like we, Let's say you took Penix and you got you, you played him. And you got two very good years. Because you and I have both been under the impression you should probably draft a quarterback every year, every other year. I mean, even when Brady was in his prime, New England every other year drafted a quarterback. Didn't work, but they tried. So let's say Penix gives you two and a half years. And you're like, you won some games, you sold some tickets, he made you viable. And in that process, you drafted another quarterback. I can live with it. Not everybody's a 401k. I don't need every player. The average NFL career is six years. If you can give me excellent for three with Penix, and then he wears down physically, and I'm bad today, I'll take it. I don't want my staff fired. I don't want another GM, another coach. What you can't be in the NFL is chaotic at quarterback. Michael Penix, you won't be chaotic at quarterback, I would presume. Grown up, like a mature yeah, just, guy. Just, like just, Some of these young lot quarterbacks. A lot of stars. A lot of stars. Multiple yeah. coaches. By the way, you tell me people are willing to take a chance on Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and Michael Penix is not a first-round pick? That's freaking insanity. Jay McElroy News. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Live. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This league uncut. 
the new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes, and me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players redemption seekers and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars anyone can win relationships matter and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Well, saw this story this morning. Michigan makes NFL history, sending a record number of players to the draft combine. 18 players from Michigan received an invitation, as Harbaugh predicted a year ago, to Indianapolis and the combine. Uh, The last three years have probably been the best three years of Michigan football in forever, at least in succession. But losing 18 juniors and seniors who are not only talented, but the heart of the leadership, combined with losing Harbaugh, who crafted and curated the leadership, I think it's going to be a rough couple of years for Michigan. you got to curate that culture. It's like gardening. you got to weed it and water it and replant it, and it goes away fast. And this was the greatest Michigan harvest ever. But, um, folks, Oregon's a top 10 program. They've entered the Big Ten. Washington's a top 15 program. Believe it or not, USC and Lincoln Riley, they'll be pretty good. Not to mention, Ohio State got Chip Kelly. They'll be better indisputably. So I think that rivalry will flip very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, I defended, I defended Michigan to the end of the earth. But people didn't like Brian Kelly. But his last couple of years at Notre Dame, they went 11-1 and and 10-2 and and went toe-to-toe with Georgia. All those players remained. They hired a very smart, popular assistant. 
They lost seven games in the last two years. They're competitive, but they're not winning those close games. And you didn't know his love Brian Kelly because he was rough. And you didn't know his love Harbaugh because he's equally rough. But I, I do think if you look at the schedule for Michigan, boy, they, they didn't get any breaks on this. They open up early with Texas, who has maybe the best roster in the country, along with Ohio State coming back. Uh, so that second game is Texas. And again, Sark, that quarterback, that O-line, that is a rough out-of-conference game. Then they have to face USC in that offense a couple of weeks later. Then it's at Washington, one of the toughest places to play. A couple of weeks later, rival Michigan State. Then it's Oregon, and then they finish at Ohio State. That is a rough schedule as you lose 18 players invited to Indianapolis. You're losing a lot of leadership, and proximity to greatness does not equal greatness. The popular assistant, though always the choice that makes the players and administrators happy because there's familiarity, does not work very often. So my guess is it's going to be a pretty rough sled for Michigan this year. You're going to see Ohio State, which I think will be along with Texas uh, and Georgia, the three best teams in the country. I think you'll see Ohio State with a bounce, thanks to Chip Kelly and that talent. And I think you're going to see Michigan go down pretty quickly. Um, I understood the choice, but I said before, the popular choice with players is rarely the right choice. They like a lump former player. Deshaun Foster at UCLA, very popular choice. He may work, and I don't think it's a bad hire. <laughs> but, you know, the coach that's a little rough sometimes at college, a little rough around the edges, Brian Kelly's Harbaugh, they leave. Things do not stay the same. They just, it's, it's proximity to it doesn't equal it. J-Mac, can't wait for college football, and those Michigan games are biggies. Biggies. Yeah, I, I don't have the exact number of staff members from Michigan who left, but it's more than just Harbaugh. There was, I think, like two or three, maybe four guys who left the staff. Well, the to defensive go coordinator. Yeah. Those like, are big losses. A, a lot of leadership walked right out that it door. It could be a four loss season for the Wolverines. I, very easily. And Big Ten's not bad, despite, forget the additions. It's a good conference. Yeah. Hour three, next. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge 
Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.